0: This is Chris Roth here with Bushido's Grow with your weekly knock activism wrap-up. Today we're going to be talking about the coronavirus and the ongoing situation here in Los Angeles of reopening everything despite the fact that we shouldn't be. Uh, the situation with the LAPD as well as with the sheriffs. Uh, the A bit of an update touching on what was going down Yesterday for Juneteenth, uh, some information about the shutdown of the ports all across the West Coast, as well as uh, some impromptu statue removal that happened across the country. Uh, But first, how is everything going for you, Bushido? Uh,
1: It's going pretty well. Yesterday I was out in Palmdale for uh, Juneteenth, uh, which was really, really cool. It's a really great action, kind of not like huge, probably about 100 people. Some really, really powerful speakers. This uh, guy, Ayinde. Uh, was kind of emceeing the whole thing and uh, quoting Fred Hampton and just really going in. And it was really like good. There's some really good organizing happening out in the exurbs. And there's a lot of people that understand that that L.A. is a large and diverse place. And we have to have different types of organizing for different areas. Uh, yep. But it was great to to be up there and see some folks and not really have too much to do as a medic. Um, it was all pretty peaceful. Uh, and um, but, you know, I, Chris, before we lead into to your week, Like, something weird popped up on my celebrity news radar yesterday. Oh. Having to do with your old boss. Oh. And Amber Heard and Cara (laughs) (laughs) Delevingne. Yeah.
0: um, Well, apparently that happened uh, upstairs from where I live, which is fun. Uh, That's the weirdest part. That is the weirdest part. So it it, it all happened um, apparently before I... Well before I moved in here, and actually after I had already left SpaceX, but uh, yeah, my my former CEO is uh, alleged to have engaged in some uh, some interesting situations uh, in my building, and I can neither confirm nor deny that I have heard any crazy stories involving elevators and um, potential uh, substances.
1: Um, but I yeah, I mean, then th- like Johnny Depp is also involved, so it's just y- fucking. Yeah. You know, the, the writing on the the writing for this year is just too on the nose. You know, we need to pull it back a little bit.
0: It is, it is Johnny Depp's uh for. So, yeah, Johnny Depp used to own all, all the penthouses in my building on the uh, the entire east side of the building. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So he had like it's also fun because he had like four units across the top um, and they were interconnected with doorways that he made between them illegally. um. Not well, okay. Against the against the board, uh, the rules for like the CCNRs for the HOA and all that shit. Like he literally just like cut doorways and was just like, "Yep, now I don't need to go into the hallway with all you plebes." <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. a whole. There are like eight units on that floor. It's it's not like he had he had more than like three other people to worry about running into, but I guess it was just too much. Also, at least one of those units was used explicitly as just a fucking closet for Amber Heard. So, ha,
1: like that's where he kept Amber Heard. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, folks, that was that was that was kind of dark. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, especially in light of the allegations of like Johnny Depp's behavior. Um, But also the the
0: allegations of Amber Heard's behavior. Apparently, she was like an absolute nightmare. So. I don't know. I don't particularly care what was going on because rich celebrity people have way too much attention paid on their lives and extremely meaningless interactions with one another. So, hey. Yes. So moving on to that, uh,
1: what's going on in in your meaningless life?
0: Oh, uh, lots of lots of self-isolation this past week. Uh, Incredible amounts of work going on around the people's budget uh, campaign. Uh, But we'll get to more details about that once we hit on. The LAPD budget portion of uh, yep. today's conversation, which is probably going to go a little bit long because there are, there are things that need to be said. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy week. Uh, I've been doing more of the the live tweet threads, which yeah, uh, someone who, who was it? I think it was Albert uh, Albert Carrado from uh, People City Council and uh, No Olympics. Uh, he tried to do a live tweet thread one time, but he, he uh, chose to try to do it with his phone. Uh, oh yeah, Hi, no. hi Gina, I, we see you Gina um, <laughs> uh, Yeah, Albert tried to do this on his phone And uh, immediately realized that that was a bad idea uh, And Richie was laughing at him for uh, having attempted yeah. it that way um, <laughs> But yeah, live tweeting is kind of fun uh, You get to really dive deep into the inner workings of some crazy shit Going on at City Hall And you get to see just how fucking stupid uh, Many of the members of our city council truly, truly are uh, it's amazing. So anyway, let's get straight on into it. First, with some uh, rather fucking bleak uh, updates when it comes to the update situation with the coronavirus. Yeah. not because, good. No, no, it's not. Um, so uh, here's what we're looking at in terms of the daily new count, new case count. We're, we're up to, as of 10 p.m. last night, We now have 170,897 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California. That's 23,775 more than the week before, and that's about a 10% increase week over week. Uh, We had 3,665 new confirmed cases yesterday, uh, which is not the highest peak, but you can see in this little lovely little graph from the LA Times that the highest uh, new, highest single new case total uh, happened earlier in this week with well over 4,000 cases, uh, which is
1: well, also, frankly I think insane. They, I, I think they also said they had a backlog they were working through. Like that's one reason we're seeing these like yeah. kind of step jumps is like so many people get tested in a the day. They don't get through all of them. Yep. And then when they catch up, we see the number of cases like dramatically jump up. So. That's more an outlier of the functioning or malfunctioning of the system yes. than it is the virus,
0: absolutely. and that's that's actually why the like the daily case totals is like not the thing that you should be looking at. The seven day yeah. trend is what what you should be thinking of, of looking at. And that clearly is a trend that is uh, not going in the right direction right now. Um, when we look at the actual number of deaths uh, by day, we uh, had. Uh, Let's see. We're up to a grand total of five thousand four hundred twenty five deaths in the state due to the virus, which is fucking bleak. Uh, We had Mm -hmm. 70 deaths yesterday uh, and it was very consistent. uh, Basically, every day of the last week, it's pretty much all clustered in the same spot Uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to the Los Angeles county numbers. We're now looking at seventy nine thousand six hundred seventy six confirmed cases. COVID-19 in L.A. County as of uh, what was this 10 p.m. last night was the last time they updated everything. Not sure why they didn't update those numbers this morning. Maybe they have since I pulled the graphs, but whatever. Um, 1,328 new confirmed cases yesterday. Uh, We are now up to 3,066 deaths in the county due to the virus. 39 of them came yesterday. So not good. Uh, But don't let that fool you because we are... uh,
1: yeah, before. well, I was going to say, so, like, we're we're twenty 25% of the state of California's population here in the yeah. county of Los Angeles. Yeah. And we're more than 50% of the deaths. Like, that's an insane overrepresentation there. And I can only imagine what the true number is because so many people are being undercounted. Uh, but I did want to, before we move on to uh, talking about, like... Business is reopening. We've also been tracking Project Roomkey a bit. We're not going to get very deep into that one today, mainly because the numbers haven't moved in five days.
0: Yeah, we flattened that curve.
1: Yeah, we have not housed another person in the last week in the county of Los Angeles under Project Roomkey. Like... Yeah. yeah how many and like i when i was driving to the office the other day like i i was going there in the morning to work an mm-hmm. inventory shift and as i was going up western uh there was the coroner collecting a body at a bus stop because that's Jesus. just the thing that fucking happens on the streets of la every single fucking day um you know there was a friend of mine who passed away a couple of weeks ago very tragically mm-hmm. um after some sort of a drug overdose situation she ended up at the er Um, she was sick. They never officially diagnosed her with COVID, but she just wandered off from the hospital and passed away on a Mm. park bench. And like, there's a good chance that it was COVID, um, but it's not going to be confirmed. And there's like a huge, there's a, a lot of what we're discovering from New York is that the number of people who are actually dying is a lot higher and we're not seeing these true numbers at the same time. We're also not seeing any movements to protect the people who are most vulnerable in these situations, especially people without insurance and people without shelter and I just am finding that really enraging and stupid and maddening, especially if you uh, want to serve food, you can take up uh, sidewalk space. If you need to live on the sidewalk, you're going to get your ass beat by LAPD. So let's talk about the uh, state of businesses reopening.
0: Thank you for that. Uh, extremely. I'm op- an optimist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: of course you are. Of course you are. Um, Yeah, so this is, I've got an older picture that we're going to use for the time being because it uh, very clearly demonstrates what the fuck is going on here. Um, Just going to go dig straight into it from the LA Times. Quote, after months of warning people to stay home to slow the spread of the deadly coronavirus, California officials have coalesced around a softer approach aimed at allowing the economy to bounce back while also trying to prevent new infections. Medical experts emphasize that nothing about this virus has changed. It is still deadly and circulating in the community. Public health policies, driven by economics and politics, though, sometimes necessary, uh, can muddle that message and also erode trust in the government. Both major problems during a pandemic, experts say, quote, I think it's disingenuous to say they're trying to do it for health reasons when they're doing it for the exact opposite. End quote. Said Dr. Ernest uh, uh, Razidi, I cannot pronounce your last name. I apologize. A psychiatrist with St. Joseph Hospital Orange. Continuing, trust is very hard to gain and it's very easy to lose. End quote. So yeah, they're just like, well, people are going to die. So let's say fuck it and just let it happen. Because the economy is more important. So you know, smash your bodies upon the gears yep. of capitalism because that's what it's all about. Uh, I mean, the, the other thing that's happening in addition to the bars reopening is that nail salons, barbers, everything else have also been allowed to reopen, uh, which leads you to interesting situations with lots of uh, PPE being presented. And sadly, it almost looks like uh, the nail salons have better PPE than a lot of fucking hospitals have had uh, in the well, last I'm- month or so.
1: We're also seeing the same trend play out in Arizona and Florida um, to the hardest states like Arizona never really shut down. Like for a little while, they had bars closed and then they gave up on that. Nobody there wears masks. It's really kind of like it's so easy to see what we would have to do to make this not happen. And nobody really wants to do it. And like the pain isn't even here yet. I, I, I just keep like coming back to this and I. I. Almost don't want to say anything more because we just keep repeating it week after week after week. But, like, the true economic pain isn't going to set in for the next three to six months. Yep. Like, this is such a ridiculous lull that we're in here right now. And I I don't know. I'm still... I feel like we've had a pretty um, easy fire season this year. Like, nothing has really been too big. I know there have been like some wildfires, but that's the other thing that's just looming over my head is I know that it's when we really get into it this year, it's going to suck. Like it's going to be so bad and so fucking terrible. Um, So let's lighten the mood a little bit. And uh, let's talk about the most murderous gang in Los Angeles, our very own uh, Villanueva boys, the, Uh uh, the, the, the Olive and green gang. Um, I don't know the LA County Sheriff's office. Uh, they're terrible and we don't like them
0: Yeah, um, but actually before we get into that I wanted to make a quick connection to your point About uh, Arizona Because our favorite police chief Made a little uh, quick expedition Or rather his wife his Made wife, a quick expedition right. to Arizona to go Party up a little bit at the bars And get a haircut uh, In the midst of the massive lockdown here In the city of Los Angeles Because fuck the rules, those only apply to the poor people God damn I hate that living <laughs> Um, okay, so this is super bleak and, uh, it sucks. Um, we've seen the Los Angeles County Sheriff's office killing, uh, two more people, uh, in the past week, as well as there have been lynchings going around the country, including in Palmdale. And there are a lot of unanswered questions surrounding those lynchings and, uh, many instances where the police have immediately ruled things with suicide. Um, uh, I did notice that one of them. One of the cases that was thought to have been a lynching uh, does appear to have been ru- ruled that it actually was a suicide due to security footage that was found that showed no foul play. But uh, that hasn't meant, had any impact whatsoever on the fact that the L.A. County sheriffs roll up on uh, black and brown folks like the murderous gang of thugs that they are uh, and brutally execute them. So, w- yeah, this is and I'm this really-
1: one like the the reporting coming out of L.A. Taco, who's the only journalist oh. outlet like, doing actual work here? Like, yeah. Holy shit! The L.A. Times completely dropped the ball. Like the L.A. Times, when they printed this, they're like, "Oh yeah, a guy got shot. He's dead now." At the end, sheriffs say, "Like, don't ask too many questions." L.A. Talker actually went there and talked to people and like showed the scene and like how this guy wasn't just shot out on the street. He ran yep. into the building, into the business he was guarding, and was shot on the property of the business yep. in the fucking back. Yep. But. I, Why? Why is that? Why is the taco paper doing better work? Chris, and that's not to talk shit on L.A. Taco like I love them, but like they started out as like, hey, tacos are good.
0: Uh, And they're not wrong. Tacos are good, but also they have really fucking badass reporters uh, like Lexus. When your
1: politics are good, you know, other things follow directly from that.
0: Yeah. So we'll we'll actually get into the stuff with um, that with Memo Torres, who did those interviews that you were talking about. I've got a clip of that to play in a moment. Um, yeah. But I wanted to actually give it a little bit more context because the fucking Guardian is reporting on this better than the L.A. Times. So we're getting Jesus. international coverage on this better than what the fucking L.A. Times is covering. Um, I think that this is actually very indicative. Like we are seeing uh, amazing coverage. I, I, I forget what the article which which country it even came from. But there was a, a reporting out of the out of some Southeast Asian country uh, where they were talking about. A former former British colony, and talking about an agrarian territory within the former British colony of the United States, when they were referring to uh, violence in uh, in Minnesota, Um, and uh, talking about it being the like this this uprising against uh, state violence and the way that it was all framed up was just brutal and extraordinarily accurate and really takes down, uh, takes the whole American exceptionalism stuff down many pegs in in the best possible way. Um, But going straight to the quotes here from The Guardian before we get off topic. Quote, after sheriff's deputies chased and shot dead a security guard in an auto repair shop in Los Angeles on Thursday evening, family members have identified the dead man to local media as Andres Guardado, uh, 18. So, First of all, that's better than what LA Times was doing already. Uh, yeah. Continuing, on Wednesday, Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies also shot dead Tyrone Jamal Boone, 31, who the department said was, quote, the half brother of Robert Fuller, who was discovered hanging from a tree on 10th, 10 June 2020 and is currently the subject of a death investigation, end quote. The Guardian is doing better fucking reporting on this than the LA Times. There's an entire article talking about these two murders that are linked. Because it's the fucking L.A. County Sheriff's Department. But not even going to go into it too much right now. Uh, Let's go to what it was that uh, Memo uh, did. Because Memo went down, uh, as you said. Uh, Memo Torres uh, from L.A. Taco went down to the scene of this murder. And Mm -hmm. talked to the manager at the auto shop where... Uh, this all went down. So let's uh, let's roll that clip now.
2: Uh, tell me what's going on there. Oh, this is, this is where. Uh, well, this is the first camera that they aimed up the wall, uh, and actually they they broke, they they broke it off and took it right off the wall. And they also got. I don't know if you got, um, got, they got that one over there. There was a camera there where the wires They left that one because. Wasn't that they needed the camera they were just being malicious and covering themselves you know and then you have seen the one over there so it's
1: just And they took media
0: after so they and took it yeah they
2: took it and yeah, they got a warrant after they got it but they they,
0: took the they got the warrant after yeah
2: after, yeah, yeah. after. they did they, they illegally got into everything then then they they, they had the place Jesus. locked down and then they got the warrant you know yeah. to cover themselves this this whole thing was has been covered. Yeah. and actually um right after it happened Uh, There was 10 sheriffs that approached the security guard at Gardena Market that thankfully was a good enough citizen to come to the address when he heard it happen because it was wrong. 10 sheriffs, and that's not their jurisdiction, that's Gardena PD's jurisdiction, and 10 sheriffs came up and asked him if he heard the gunshots and where's 420. Look, they know where 420 is. They themselves, the sheriff's department shot him. They all have radios. There's three people on scene. Why is 10 cops, sheriffs nonetheless, out of jurisdiction, rousting somebody two and a half, three miles away, down on the boulevard, when they know what happened? What do you mean? Do you hear the gunshots? Do you see a shooter? The, the police was a shooter. What do you mean? You know they have walkie talkies. There's three of them. You know, so um, I mean it's just all the way around. And just nobody camps. Unfortunately, police have no body Sheriff, right? they don't yeah. Yeah. So, It's just, uh, everything is, the odds are just unfavorably stacked against us. You know what I'm saying? And and it just seems like it's
1: always stacked, it's
0: always stacked in favor of the, of the police. Always.
1: You know? Yeah. I mean. Yep. Uh, I literally don't know like, what else to say on sounds that. Sounds like criminal behavior. It's just like, it, and the fact that with everything going on, uh, the cops can't stop themselves from killing people. Like, I saw a number that in the I wanna say 24 days since George Floyd's death and the uprisings began, uh, police across the, the country have killed 120 people. And that number's only gone up because that number was like a few days ago that I saw that tweet. Yep. And we're gonna get into this a, a little bit, but like a little bit later rather, but what we're paying these state-sponsored murders is absolutely insane. And what we're paying the people who are actually in charge of these institutions is even more just outright irrational and stupid. Uh, And I I guess let's turn to Palmdale and talk about that one, because uh, Tehran Jamal Boone, uh, like we mentioned, is the the half-brother of Robert Fuller, uh, a man who was found hanged in front of the uh, Palmdale City Hall Um, I was up there yesterday, uh, where his friends and people who are connected to the family were having a small rally. Like I said, it was like a hundred or so people. It wasn't huge, but it was really good and good energy. Um, but it's, it's also, there's a real palpable sense of unsafety up there. Like that's one of the reasons I went up there. It wasn't a random thing. Like people asked us to go like provide medic support up there. And the reason that they wanted that was because there's a very strong, white nationalist and white supremacist vein in the Antelope Valley. It's been a very white place to live for a long, long time. And that's changing now after 2008, because a lot of people got priced out of Los Angeles. So those people moved up to the Antelope Valley to Lancaster to Palmdale. So there's been an influx of black and brown people into an area that has largely felt like a white suburb, but hasn't always exclusively been that because it's also right on a lot of the, the edge of the farmland. There's a lot of People who make their living and support their families by working in the, in the agricultural industry in the yeah. Central Valley and like north of L.A. But when there's the sense that like white supremacy can kind of be out in the open unchecked and you feel unguarded, people want to see some more security and some more safety. And so there was uh, some whispers that there was going to be a KKK or some sort of a white supremacist rally at the same park that we were going to be meeting at around the same time that we were going to be there. They yep. never showed up. Uh, the sheriffs were there sort of keeping an eye on things, but they, so they did never really up. made a move. Well, the sheriffs were there. They escorted us along right. the march. The march route was only like 15 so making minutes. Making a the sheriffs
0: that are the KKK. But yeah.
1: Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> sort of. I mean, they were actually like, they just followed behind the march and like kept traffic behind us, which I was happy to see. Like they stopped a car attack from happening. Like not that yeah. there was one that happened, but they were there basically preventing that from happening. Which, like, I'm okay with that. Like, that's the kind of thing that, like, public safety officers should be concerned with. And then they left us alone for the rest of the rally. Like, they that's didn't good. show up. They didn't even come into the park. They just, like, went off and did their own thing. And so it was completely, like, peaceful, and it was it was great vibes, but there was also this sense that everyone also had to be extra concerned about making it on their way home, that, like, we really do need to travel in pairs. And it's something different than being here in L.A. Like, I you know, if I go to a march or rally, I'm going to be keyed up on LAPD and be afraid of them, but I'm not going to worry about like a white supremacist snatching me up on my way home in the middle of downtown LA. Yeah, Out in Palmdale and Lancaster and other more rural parts of California, which by the way is like most of the state geographically, Yep. yep. people legitimately have those fears and like they're not feeling protected by the media or the people who are supposed to be reporting on this stuff. And it's one reason why, on the you know, the Twitch broadcast, on this one, you know, and pretty much all of our media, we're going to be talking about these lynchings that are happening because they're not getting the mainstream media attention that they need to be getting. There's seven black men who've been found hanged across this country in the last month. This is a weird trend, right? Especially during this period of time, especially during a pandemic when people aren't going out as much, especially right during uprisings. Jesus, yeah there's a lot of questions to be asked and ways to like investigate and understand and talk about this type of violence. And our media is not doing that. And we're only positioned so well to be doing it, but we want to at least actively contribute to that conversation. If for no other reason than to talk about the shit that the people whose job it is aren't doing right. Like this is one reason why we're going to rep the LA talk and talk shit on the LA times. One of them showing up and doing the work. The other one isn't, but one of them's owned by a fucking billionaire. And maybe we should put a stop to that. Like, L.A. Taco is not owned by a billionaire. You know, maybe if we make the L.A. Times not owned by a billionaire, that will help. Like we kind of do it scientifically, right? Like we just start removing variables until the L.A. Times doesn't suck anymore.
0: (laughs) I'm here for this. Uh, Speaking of L.A. Taco, I I was just going to say, I uh, I actually just I realized that I had I thought I had subscribed many months ago, but realized that it was there was a glitch that stopped that from going through. So now I am I am officially a supporter of L.A. Taco and I'm very much looking forward to getting my T-shirt and my hoodie coming through because uh, I will absolutely wear LA taco stuff around and uh, show support for them.
1: Why you got a simp on our fucking Twitch channel, man,
0: because it's LA taco and they're fucking cool. Uh, (laughs) All right. But yeah, it's it's great. uh, Support them, please. Also support uh, support uh, us on Patreon, please. Yeah.
1: But uh, anyways, (laughs) let's, uh, let's kick over to uh, the LA budget and uh, talk about what's going on with LAPD because it looks like there are some cuts coming. They're kind of the, the same anemic cuts we've heard about in in the past, like in the past week or so. Um, but nonetheless, it's progress. Like, it's a good first step.
0: Yes, absolutely. So those cuts were announced uh, at, well, they were announced last week, uh, and it was in direct response to the action from uh, the People's Budget LA Coalition. And uh, just wanted to highlight really quick, there was this absolutely amazing, powerful presentation that was put on by uh, Melina Abdullah and the rest of the crew there Uh, Just hopping back really quick. So we've got Reverend Ray, we've got Baba Akili, we've got David Turner, Melina Abdullah, and Kendrick Sampson uh, Mm -hmm. were the five folks who came to city council to give a presentation about what the people's budget survey results showed, uh, what it means to defund the police, and how it is that we can reimagine public safety. And it was honestly just... A truly incredible uh, presentation, and uh, the 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 whole thing was documented very well. The the slideshow was was brilliantly done. Uh, Lex Roman did an amazing job putting those slides together. Um, but unequivocally, the the storytelling and the narrative uh, communication from David, Akili, Melina, and Kendrick was just jaw dropping, and we had literally council members uh, in tears after the fact. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was it was it was great. Of course, they then uh, turned around and made a bunch of vacuous promises to do something and then did fucking nothing. Um, yep. well, I mean, so Herb Herb made a, a pledge to do something and then introduced a motion to uh, actually create like a nonviolent unarmed response crew. But yeah. we're going to see how that I goes. mean,
1: those Yeah, well, it, it's it's the thing is it, with Wesson, I don't care what he does because he's leaving. You know, anything that he does right now is, yeah, anything that he does right now is simply in service of his bid for county board. Like, that's all he's trying to do is, like, you know, polish everything up because he's getting thwacked on the progressive side by Holly J. Mitchell because, like— Wesson, as president of L.A. City Council, presided over one of the worst economic periods in all of L.A.'s history. Like the amount of inequality that has erupted under his leadership is astro-freaking-nomical. Yep. Um, people aren't going to forget that. Like I, I, you know, I, I, I at the same time, like I, I do support the initiative. I just like you know, Wesson's not going to be here to champion it, so somebody else is going to have to pick it up.
0: Yeah, so uh, this this continue on a little bit more with this presentation here. Um, the the coalition that, that came together to do the People's Budget LA is hugely diverse and covers a ton of different areas across Los Angeles. Thrilled to see the ground game logo right smack in the middle there, uh, right next to Students Deserve and Stop LAPD Spying, and that makes me so, so happy. Um, we also, like... The, the other important thing here was talking about just the scope of this process and how much more inclusive everything that People's Budget LA has been doing is compared to the narrow focus, lobbyist driven budgetary solution, like uh, priorities that are established by the fucking mayor and all of the lapdogs that he has. Brained him about the things that they're like, oh, no, you gotta keep funding all of our shit. And we're gonna get more into that in a minute. Um, But yeah, we had more than 24,000 respondents, and this was as of like last weekend, and people have been continuing to take the survey. Uh, Mm -hmm. 50 different organizations distributed this, 3,300 participants in our town hall two weeks ago. uh, And then we had a huge town hall. Like the same night that this presentation happened where the same presentation was effectively given, but it was in a much more like relaxed, low key setting where it was a Skype call or sorry, a Zoom call that had like 300 and something participants on it on just the Zoom call. And then at least when I at the start of the presentation, there were more than 700 people tuned into the Black Lives Matter Facebook Live uh, video yeah. uh, before I was able to move my way into the Zoom call, uh, which was great because then I got called on to answer questions. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, and yeah, we, I mean, there were more than 33,000 participants that were engaged in this process. And one of the really fun things was that we had people who, like not even in Los Angeles responding to this. But um, because David Turner is really fucking smart and knows what he's doing, they were able to filter these results down to actually get uh, meaningful answers from people who live in the city, breaking it down by city council districts and everything else. Um, and then also he showed uh, during this presentation that like this... Poll had more data behind it than like presidential exit polls that are used to call the presidential election back in 2016, for example. Um, So, in in light of all of this, uh, the Los Angeles Police Protective League got very mad because Nuri and uh, the rest of folks were were introducing this this paltry motion of putting in like a 150 million dollar budget cut to the LAPD, which, by the way, is it, not which isn't cut.
1: even a cut. It's just a not increase. <laughs> no, like no, no. if your boss it's, gives it's you a raise and then it's like I'm not I'm I'm not giving you all of the raise.
0: But it's not even a not increase, it's just a less increase. It's <sighs> it's really bleak when you look at it. But it's funny because the uh Los Angeles Police Protective League is absolutely amazing with their graphic design skills, uh, as you can see in these lovely flyers that they send <laughs> around.
1: Look in in a, a I forget exactly which circuit court it was, um, and I think it was a state level uh, appeals court, not a federal level appeals court. But mm-hmm. at one point, a court in this country found that it's okay for police departments to exclude applicants who are too intelligent. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, because they would that. not make good police officers. So because they'd get bored and uh, quit. You know, I'm just <laughs> I'm I'm just saying we we can't be too harsh on the LAPPL folks for you know living up to their potential. I'll say. <laughs> But this is also the other one that gets me about this. And like (laughs) this is this is Nuri Martinez isn't running for fucking anything. She won her election like she's done for the next four years. Like she doesn't have to. She's president of the L.A. City Council. Like what is attacking her get you? Like you want to go after someone, go after fucking Rue. Like go after someone who's act- like Mark Ridley Thomas, um, Grace Ye- Grace you like go after those folks who like are actually running elections. Like they're pressurable, they're a use of your money. Like what is going after Nuri Martinez get you structurally? Like, holy fuck. Absolutely like are you, nothing. Are, is she just like gonna be sad that you sent out mean postcards about her? Fucking crazy man. And by the the way, uh, like the 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 graphic that was put together that showed how many people all these LAPPL folks have shot is like kind of disgusting. Oh, like they're they're, Jamie McBride. The current guy has shot like three people. Yeah. What the
2: fuck?
0: I think it's actually six. Um, But yeah, it's 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 it's. it's Problematic to say the least, but uh, we'll, we'll get into this all in in uh, a minute. But uh, uh, the other thing I was going to point out with the like LAPPL like bullying tactics, which is just bizarre with what they're doing. Um, they also have that wonderful video that shows hmm. exactly who the fuck they are when they confront Monica Rodriguez, who is the chair oh, yeah. of the Public Safety Committee fuck. in like that was so
1: bad a parking
0: garage basement. She's just surrounded completely by a whole bunch of almost all white cops. And they have one black lady cop getting up there and lecturing her about how she's taking a knee and bowing down to uh, Black Lives Matter. And that apparently the $250 million reinvestment into communities of color, which explicitly was not saying uh, black communities and explicitly definitely did not say Black Lives Matter, LAPPL can't process that and thinks that that 250 million dollars is going to Black Lives Matter for some reason because they're all fucking idiots.
1: But but so let's let's talk about uh, the size of some of the salaries at the top of these organizations. Uh,
0: well I've I've got a there's so the the actual um, the report came back yesterday about the budget cuts and this is actually really really interesting. So oh, all right, all right. uh reading from the LA Times, we'll get to the we'll get to the graphs, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> if the Los Angeles City Council, this is from the LA Times, if the Los Angeles City Council wants to cut 150 million from the police department, it should scale back hiring, top city analysts said in a report released Friday. Chief Legislative Analyst Sharon So and City Administrative Officer uh, Richard Wellen said the effort to cut back spending of the LAPD will leave the department with 9,757 officers by the end of June 2021. Doing so so would mark a major shift in policy for the city leaders who had long pushed to get and keep the department at or above 10,000 officers. So Craig Lally who is the president of the LAPPL uh, had a prepared statement that went out and it said quote. We are already forcing a hiring freeze on other departments We cannot keep cutting core city services while growing the department. That is the largest segment of the budget uh, Oh, whoops. nope. That I combined two quotes and that doesn't make any sense. Uh, sorry um, Ignore that part about it and you can cut that out. when We actually do the, the, the uh, podcast release um, but, but yeah, so uh Craig Lally also, uh, in addition to his statement, continued on saying that uh, threatening that these the same things that we're actually here in this mailer about Nuri Martinez, saying that less cops was going to reduce result in more crime and it was going to redu- result in slower 911 response times neither of which they've actually got any evidence to back up, but he's basically threatening this, and he's saying uh, that these this lower funding, quote, will lead to longer response times to emergencies, eliminate dozens of daily patrol areas across the city, and increase the city's unfunded liability for overtime by over $50 million. Um, uh, yeah, or we can just fire them and not have to worry about that shit. Um, but yeah, there was a quote from Melina Abdullah in this article that was actually taken from, like, much earlier in the month, um, but uh, it, it was it was a quote from Molina actually like right after Garcetti announced that he wanted to cut some money from the LAPD or rather reduce the increase. Uh, and it was like he only did that because he got cover from city council pushing forward the motion in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. but Molina called the bullshit for what it was saying, quote, $150 million looks big until you realize it still leaves the LAPD with 51% of the city's unrestricted revenues. City council and mayor Garcetti need to know that we're fighting for truly transformative change here and won't be bought off with just this minimal amount of money. End quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, yes,
1: yeah, but, so- but it doesn't look like there's going to be any, Further action beyond these cuts, at least as the the budget stands now.
0: Uh, well, for the time being, yes, that 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 is correct. We actually have no no real idea what the next steps are going to be here because uh, this motion, uh, or rather the the motion that that implemented these cuts or, or sought to uh, get this report back, uh, will be discussed at the budget committee hearing on Monday at uh, I think it's 10 a.m. Um, mm-hmm. So I know what I'm going to be doing on Monday morning, and. Uh, <laughs> The uh, so the the discussion about what's going to actually happen with these cuts is is entirely up to then the budget and finance committee to forward that report back to city council uh, and have the whole council discuss and potentially vote on it uh, maybe on Tuesday. Uh, And it's it's like whether or not those budget cuts are going to be enough or if it's going to even happen right now is uh, up in the air. And then there are any future changes that are going to be proposed for the budget. Uh, they've literally got, what is it now, 11 days left this month mm-hmm. um, in order to, to to introduce any more discussion before the budget takes effect on July 1st. And then really fun fact, the entire city council goes on recess on like July 3rd until July 24th, 27th, something like that. So they're just mm-hmm. like done and quit doing their fucking job for an entire goddamn month in the middle of a pandemic. While everyone is on the verge of getting evicted because the eviction protections and moratorium and all of these other things that they could have been doing to extend and protect renters in the city that is a majority fucking renter by population, they could have done something about that shit, but they chose not to because they would rather not do their fucking jobs and have to deal with everything crisis after crisis after crisis as like a last minute fucking plea to try to make everything come together without actually doing any of the goddamn fucking homework. Cool. Well, well, yeah, let's let's on talk to talk about. Slides now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, we're going to move on to the slides now. Uh, here we go. You can you can narrate. I'll just slide the. the
1: uh, yeah. So anyway, so LAPD the the starting salary for any L- average LAPD officer is already higher than pretty much any other starting salary in the city. Um, they're one of the few professions in the city that will allow you to own a home on just a one family or what as a one income family. Mm-hmm. Um, higher than teachers, better benefits. Uh, we've talked a lot about just the regular abuse of the pension system, the overtime system, but the people who actually control LAPD eat up an insane amount of our city's budget and could literally just by like defunding these 35 people could make a dent in uh, homelessness here in Los Angeles. So, Let's go ahead and talk about how the top 35 people who have control over LAPD make almost $7 million a year between them. And keep in mind, most of these people are already wealthy. Uh, we don't need to go layer by layer here. But when we're talking about things like police commissioners, they make $150,000 a year. They're already incredibly rich. Like How much Soberoff, does Soberoff have? A, almost a billion dollars. I don't think Jesus. he is a billionaire. But the other thing is there's... Um, Shoot, I forget what the the name is uh, of the other commissioner. Um, But they were the former president of Liberty Hill, which is like the biggest progressive funder in Los Angeles. And they fund power like they they cut us grant checks. Um, You know, thank you. Keep doing that. But (laughs) they also sit on the board of the people we fight with all the time. So like there's there's a real disconnect between the class privilege of the people who are in decision making roles in the city and where the rest of us are at. So let's move on to the next one. And this just shows you what leadership salaries look like compared with other departments and their budgets. And you can see LAPD is like way out in front. The ethics commission is pretty far down there. Public accountability is is almost zero. Um, It's kind of insane to just see when you compare what being a police officer pays you to other professions, how outsized this is, especially when you add on top of that, the like virtual legal Uh, uh, immunity from almost everything, the fact that you're given a gun and trained to kill people, Uh, the fact that you have incredibly powerful, well-funded unions and that those unions are able to wield a lot of power not in, in, not antagonistically the way labor unions work but like in concert with the people who are sitting on the bodies that they want to influence, like city council members and mayors, Mm -hmm. you know, all of them talk about how much they love the police and then surprisingly the police help them get reelected over and over again, you know, funny how that works, isn't it? Well, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, but we're not going to, we're not going to tease that out too much. But so what could we do with these budgets? And let's talk about, the number of people, which has risen in L.A. County to 66,000 people spending, um, living without permanent shelter on any given night. And we know that the number is like double or triple that. Easily. That number was pre-COVID. Yes. Um, and pre-COVID, we saw a 36% jump in uh, houselessness in Southern, uh, in South L.A., in service planning area six, which is like Compton and Watts and all of those areas. What it looks like after COVID is anyone's guess. Um, and we have to wait an entire other year to find out. So, yeah. Um, Fingers crossed, Chris. I think the numbers are going to be good. Uh, Anyways.
0: God damn it. So
1: so for the various salaries of what we could do here. So for a, for a police commissioner, if we took all of their salaries, we could house about 10 people, maybe 12 people. If we took all the police commanders, we could house about 15 people, it looks like, uh, for uh, Roy Choi, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the – is that the the – yeah, that's the deputy mayor, right? That's the yes. guy who's in hot shit with Weezer. Okay. Because yeah. I also remember there was another, there's another Choi in the LAPD command infrastructure who does like PR and stuff and is like part of their diversity thing. But I think this is a different guy. But again, we can we could house about 15 people. For yes. Eric Garcetti, we could house almost 20 people. For all the deputy chiefs of uh, in the the department, uh, we could house 20 people. Uh, if we took Michael Moore's salary alone, we could house about 22 people. 22 people for one salary. And if we took Alex Villanueva, uh, we could house more than 26 people. And his salary is so outsized, it broke the chart. Uh, He is paid, I think the most of anyone in the county, uh, quite frankly, as the the elected sheriff. And it's absolutely insane because he also has a massive pension Um, and all the fun, other bullshit stuff that he gets from being in like the deputies union.
0: So, um, one of the fun things that I did want to point out here on this, this chart, you can probably not read here, uh, if you're watching at home, but the sheriff makes almost $340,000 each year. The chief of police makes 307 grand and that's more. So the mayor only, only quote unquote, only makes 248 grand. So the police chief that he hires is making significantly more than he is. And well, the is other thing is actually worse at the job.
1: <laughs> and if, if like this chart also leaves off the salaries of LA city council members, which yeah. like scale up with seniority. Um, but you, you start out around a quarter million dollars. I want to say.
0: Yeah. Uh, what's being pointed out. There's that the times 10 for the commanders and times, uh, or sorry, times 16 for the commanders and times yeah. 10 for the deputy chiefs. Like there's, uh, the amount of money that we're spending on the leadership of these of those law enforcement agencies uh, is absolutely preposterous and uh, would be much better spent, frankly, on uh, housing unhoused folks. Yeah. A- end of story. So,
1: yeah. In total, how many people could we house? One hundred. A uh, hundred. Jeez. Uh, Five hundred and forty four, uh, which is a significant number of people. Yeah. I mean, that would be one neighborhood's worth of unhoused folks like that would be housing everyone who's living on the streets of Koreatown. Say. Yep. Um, which is huge, but also like not that huge in, when taken against the 66,000 number that, that we had earlier, yep. but how much would it cost to house everyone in LA? Chris,
0: uh, $640 billion.
1: That or looks million, like $640 sorry, million, dollars million to me. I can't read numbers yeah.
0: right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. God damn it. And you're the, you're the one that's good at math.
0: <laughs> I'm good at math, not at reading. <laughs> I say Anyways, as I so, read all uh, these articles, $640 million. So, dollars. That's not that much yeah, money.
1: But so that's, that's uh, about 20% of LAPD's $3.1 billion annual budget. 20% for 20%, 20% of what LAPD costs every year. We can house every person in Los Angeles. Like... I don't know. Uh, it seems like we could easily solve all of this like super, super fucking quick. Uh, defund and, the
0: fucking police. End no of story. Well, and, and, Jesus Christ. And Like
1: even for people who are like, well, we can't defund them all immediately. Like they can take a 20 percent haircut. Yeah. Like they can 100 percent take a 20 percent haircut. Oh, yeah, and it's interesting, easily. too, because like. There was something you shared with me last night that came out of, I think it was uh, Michael Kohlhaas doing some, uh, some CPRA requests on training materials. And it was talking about the social media teams for LAPD. Oh, no, no, no. And they decided. That's
0: the controller. That was a report from the fucking city controller. Urging them to cut down on the number of cops that are sworn officers doing jobs that shouldn't be done by sworn officers.
1: But that's the thing is they talked about the fact that sworn officers make so much more than civilian employees. And the civilian employees in LAPD are not represented by like LAPPL. They're not represented by these powerful cop unions. These civilian employees within LAPD were scheduled to take a pay cut. While LAPD officers were going to see a pay increase. Like there was a very clear we're in and we're part of the select and the rest of you are fucked. Get out of our way or we'll shoot you. Dynamic going on at every single fucking level of LAPD. Like. Yep. I remember I was talking to Ace at one point and I was talking about Bright or I was like live tweeting Bright because I was watching it because I hate myself. And I mentioned like all of the cops in this movie only know how to like grunt at each other and yell. (laughs) And and Ace was like, yeah, that sounds like LAPD. And at the time I was like, you know, I don't know if I really fully agree with that. You know, this was like uh, after I'd been involved with Ground Game for a bit, was still a little bit like, oh, yeah, I think like cops aren't great, but, you know, they're not they're not all totally bad. And. Now I just like now I get what Ace was saying, like once you've interacted with LAPD enough, you're like, oh, no, they are just like violent, angry sociopaths who are completely incentivized to do that and yep. be that sort of thing. Like it literally they're taught and rewarded for being angrier than the next guy. But let's go ahead and turn to some good news Uh before we uh, we just go off the rails completely here right. yelling about the cops. Yeah. Um, All 29 West Coast ports were shut down yesterday by the International Longshore and Warehouse Union, uh, the most radical union in the nation, and pretty much one of the only unions that didn't clear itself of all of its communist members during the 1950s, (laughs) like during those big purges. ILWU was like, have you met a longshoreman? Do you think you're going to intimidate us? And they've been pretty like, they've been pretty solid here in LA too, like down around the Port of Long Beach, or, or sorry, the Port of Los Angeles, they've been working with sunrise movement and other groups that are pushing for sustainability and a green new deal and a real jobs transition and a real jobs guarantee and like actual modernization, that's going to help our neighborhoods and our communities, because Mm -hmm. these aren't just folks who like work in the port, their families live around the port. They know how toxic an enterprise that is and how absolutely disgusting it is that you have to depend on something that dirty and that horrible in order to feed your family while living in a literal sacrifice zone. But, uh, this hasn't gotten much mainstream press. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a bit because yeah. it's dope as fucking hell. Because again, like the reason that California is the fifth largest economy in the world is because we have two of the largest ports in the world, the port of Los Angeles and then the port of Oakland. Mm-hmm. Both of those are massive. The if you look at a map of the city of LA, you notice that it has this weird little thing that stretches all the way down uh the the five and then kind of the juts ten, out at 110 the end. Or the the one ten, thank you. Yep. And kind of juts out at the end. And that's just to make sure that the port of Los Angeles is in the city of Los Angeles and not just the county of Los Angeles, because that's where the fucking money comes from.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's the it's the it's a joint port between the city of Long Beach and the city of Los Angeles. And it absolutely is like one of the largest revenue streams for both cities. And yeah. uh, so this this picture that we've got up on the screen right now is uh, a shot from Oakland where the protesters like literally I mean, the longshoremen were, were shutting everything down. That's why the trucks are all parked. Like, everything yeah. is shut down. Protesters walking around it right up next to the gates of the port. This is amazing. Uh, this kind of action is truly what does get the goods. Uh, when we talk about direct action, getting the goods, this is what gets the fucking goods. Yeah. Because shutting the ports down is where you hit... The economy and the, the you know the the millionaires and billionaires that run everything. This is how you hit them the hardest because this grinds everything to a halt because the consumer-driven economy is so entirely dependent, especially at this point in time, on just-in-time supply chain and delivery and everything else. So when you shut a port down for a day, like that grinds everything to a halt. Um, one of the other fun things that happened up in Oakland was that uh, we had uh, Angela Davis up there popping out of a sunroof fist in the air to a huge crowd of protesters. And frankly, that's just fucking badass. Um, and yeah, it's just so badass. Um, I've also got a clip here from, uh, boots Riley who, uh, was tweeting about this right in advance of, uh, of the protests happening and, and basically announcing the fact that, as part of Juneteenth uh, celebrations in Los Angeles and across, uh, or rather Los Angeles, Oakland, the, the whole West Coast, honestly. Uh, and let's just go ahead and set him up to tell us what, what was going down.
1: What's up? I'm Boots Riley. Thousands of longshoremen from Seattle to San Diego. This Friday on June 19th, we'll be shutting down 29 ports. Nothing going in, nothing coming out in solidarity with the fight against police terror, with the fight to show that black lives matter. On that day in each city, there will be rallies. In Oakland, it's starting at 10 a.m. at the ports and marching to Oscar Grant Plaza. This is very important to stop their profits so that those in power who care about that profit have to do what we want them to do. See you there.
0: Um, but yeah, it, it's amazing, amazing action to see. And it's yep. shocking, but simultaneously not that shocking to like not see it covered anywhere in the mainstream media. Um, cause they don't, I mean, well, yeah, they don't want you to know if it, it, like, this is a, this is an organizing tactic that fucking works. They don't want you to know that people are doing this and if they can cover it up, it, it helps to, you know, com- perpetuate this this idea that like everything is fine just you know everything is fine don't worry about it everything's going back to normal we those uh, all those crazy protests that were going on like they're not happening anymore well Uh, that's
1: the thing is i think the the lack of violence and the fact that these are so well organized and coordinated actually makes them less palatable for the media because they want to see cop cars burning and they want to see nordstrom's (laughs) getting looted and they want that stuff you know the, the kind of like cliche if it bleeds it leads bullshit that we hear from like you know all the media about the media that we consume, um, yep. not to you know, fall too far into simulacrum, but in order to pull off, like, these are 29 separate actions yeah. involving hundreds of thousands of people so across the entire West Coast of the, the United States. That is a lot of coordination. That is a lot of work internally, nationally. Like, that's a shit ton of work that, like, is hard to feature and hard to talk about, And news anchors don't want to talk about the fact that like shutting down all 29 ports went completely peacefully. Back in the day, this stuff did not go peacefully. Like people died fighting to make this sort of thing happen. When they talked about port shutdowns, they were violent standoffs. Remember, the police as a form of control didn't just like pop into existence one day. One of the places they came directly from was the Pinkertons and the union busting efforts, these privatized security firms. Yes, who were hired to break strikes, to harm people, to investigate and intimidate the union organizers and the labor organizers and the leaders and to, to literally violently stop this type of organizing. And it's A... Absolutely amazing to see anyone in this day and age able to exact that level of coordination from their membership and also just people who are allies. But B, it also speaks a lot about the power of this movement, that this sort of thing is mainstream, you know, that this sort of thing is now something that we can do peaceably and not have to worry about people being shot by private security when we're literally choking the economy. And that's dope. Like there's something very cool about being able to wield that much power safely.
0: Just really would be great if the media would talk more about it. But instead, they were focused on other things that were happening uh, yesterday. That's
1: why we make our own media.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's why we're here. That's why we do all of these things. But uh, one of the more uh, dope direct actions, which folks might say was violence, but was not uh, was some shit going down in Raleigh. Uh, so. Oh,
1: well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's. So uh, to end on a really high note, we're going to talk about statues coming yeah. down. So,
0: well, so this one, we've, this, this video is a, a little bit long and slow cause we couldn't find a good source for this yeah. clip and
1: earlier, this is Well, this is, this is Raleigh, And this was yes. a couple of cons- Confederate soldiers statues that are over by the state Capitol. Um, the, the crowd tried to take him down earlier and the police stopped him and then the police left and, and they came back and they took down the statues. And, and then, then they did
0: this. This <laughs> uh, Yeah, get fucked, Confederate statue. Yeah, um, they
1: uh, they hanged it from a, a streetlight. I also want to say, like, just a little bit of a, a grammatical note for everyone. Um, <laughs> just because we are, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's hanged versus hung. Like, a, yep. a T-shirt is hung. A man is hanged. Well, um, but so, is the
0: statue hung?
1: I mean, I would say symbolically this one was hanged. And I think that's something that's like, you know, I I think it's weird. Like at at one level, you can look at the optics of this and be like, wow, you're you're hanging someone. That's a little bit like. Violent calling, that's a little bit too on the nose for what's going on, but Mm -hmm. also like it's a statue and it's not going to be hurt from this sort of thing, like it is an act of pure symbolism and it. I, I, you know, can understand why people would be disquieted by it, but I'm also like, I understand why people would want to engage in this particular display and why I'm not that bothered by it. But I also think it's becoming more and more easy to point to the fact that statues coming down is not really violence. You know, Correct. in Albuquerque, pulling down the statues of the conquistadors wasn't going to hurt anyone, but a violent reactionary with a gun shoved people to the ground, started a fight, and then fired into a crowd. Yep. Uh, he is not facing any charges for that, apparently. So when we we're talking wait, wait, about violence seriously? and stuff. Yeah, he's not, Holy They they let him go. They're going to they're going to say it was self-defense because the crowd wanted to kick his ass after he started shoving people. So, you know. Jesus. Surprise. Uh, f- God. But anyways, what I was going to say was it seeing these statues come down across the nation has been really gratifying, yep. especially as I think is becoming apparent that the, the groundswell of support to take this kind of bullshit down Absolutely. overwhelms the institutional desire to keep this stuff yep. up. So uh, we actually we didn't mean to play the whole video. We ended up doing that. Anyways. <laughs> uh, let's uh, There's let's a, so, uh, let's. DC yeah, next? let's. Yeah, let's do DC. All right,
0: DC. So this one is pretty glorious because you can hear the crowd. So who is this? This is a, a Confederate general in DC. And oh Yeah.
1: <laughs> People uh, were... His name was, uh yeah, his name was Pike.
0: Pike, yes, that's correct. Um, that, that is the the one that was, was being removed was General Pike, who apparently was also a... Um, a freemason and like all of the pictures online are of him with like freemason stuff on um yeah talking about brotherhood while simultaneously being a fucking slave owner Hooray. I mean
1: that actually does it that that tracks pretty well it, uh, with I, what I, the yeah. masons are about it yeah. absolutely does unfortunately um, yeah i think I, I think it was like almost 30% of the signers of the constitution were were masons so um, and a lot of them had
0: slaves Ooh. yeah yeah uh,
1: but yes so uh, next up,
0: we've got Francis Scott Key. I've actually got two clips of this. Oh yeah, this is
1: from San Francisco. This is from uh, San Francisco. I was going to say before we before we do this, uh, up in Portland, they took down a statue of George Washington. Yeah, um, and that was really great to see. Uh, and they I didn't forget touch where else the
0: Lenin statue.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, somewhere else, um, they took down a statue of Ulysses S. Grant, uh, yes. which people were kind of upset about. Except like a, he was a slave owner, and b, as president, like he continued the war on the First Nations, like. Yep. He was a genocidal asshole. Like he fuck also him. like he also take wasn't down an all abolitionist. The well, yeah. yeah. And even like then, like take down all the statues. Like, yeah. fuck them. We don't we don't really need them. We like part of white supremacy is not just getting rid of the, the bad statues, but like decolonizing our mind entirely and getting away from this like great man of history bullshit where we have like statues of like famous white men who like made the world for us and like, fuck them. No, they didn't. The world has had billions of people on it for a very long fucking time. We make the world. Yes. Uh, these white guys just like generally tend to get a lot of people killed. But anyways, let's go to Francis Scott Key, a notorious fan of slavery and writer of the Star Spangled Banner.
0: Uh, yeah. And then we uh, we've, we've got another one after this, too. So stay tuned, folks. We've got more statues coming down. Whee! <laughs> that one has a very satisfying thud to it. Um yeah. and uh for for a close up on this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh get fucked, Francis Scott Keyes. Um, and then we've actually got uh as some as uh, Danny almost was pointing out in the chat, uh Junipero Ser- uh Sarah, uh yep. or S- Sarah or Sierra? Um Sarah was Sarah was uh, also uh had his statue removed, and uh that one is a very brief clip, so it's gonna probably loop once or twice. <laughs> Uh, yeah. can't hit the buttons fast enough. Uh, yeah. So lots of statues coming down.
1: Well, I think it's interesting that uh, Sarah, like I was I was raised Catholic, um, so I know, you know, all the various flavors of, of priests. And there, there are, you know, different like Franciscans versus like uh, Jesuits um, are very, very different, you know, schools of thought and ways of approaching things. But Junipera Sarah was a Franciscan monk. Uh, Which I find really interesting because nowadays Franciscans kind of have um, the modern visage of being the more opening, empathetic, welcoming, like emotionally foot forward kind of monks, whereas Jesuits are very much like the foot soldiers of the church who are there to like guard the doctrine and yep. teach people what to believe and like are generally in charge of education. Like if you go to a Catholic high school, like an all boys Catholic high school, it's generally founded by the Jesuits. The Franciscans, on the other hand, are like the more touchy feely as far as monks go and more about like naturalism and living in tune and in 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 harmony with the world. And I think Gina Paracera presents a really interesting view of how you get eco fascism out of that sort of liberal mindset that Part of the naturalism that is inherent in that sort of thinking is that there's a right way to do things. There is a right way to live in harmony with nature that is not governed by nature itself or by outcomes, but by like external laws that exist to tell humanity what to do, that the European way of living is the more correct and therefore natural and righteous way to live versus indigenous modes of living. And that that ultimately results in genocide, because I don't think Junipero Serra like, I didn't know the guy personally, but I don't know that to him, he understood that what he was doing was really cruelty. And I think that's a weird mindset to be in, to think about people who are part of the Inquisition, who are part of these missions, who claim to be part of an, a loving, empathetic, and like yep. welcoming God who did untold acts of cruelty in the name of like saving souls. And I don't know what to make of that other than to say like, It's a weird mindset to try and put yourself in and it's a weird one to try and understand why they've had such a hold on the American imagination and consciousness for so long, like why it's been for centuries. We haven't talked about what they did to get, uh, what they did in the course of their lives. And now we're having this conversation very abruptly and very quickly. And people are just sort of like rising to the occasion to literally burn shit down in response to that. And it's fucking fascinating. Like it's really amazing how quickly things are moving.
0: Yep, it absolutely is.
1: Yeah, that kinda, uh, I, I kind of got lost there in just the, the a, ecstatic exuberance of revolution. Uh, <laughs> but uh, speaking of the ecstatic exuberance of revolution, what do we have going on this week? I know there's going to be actions. There's there are dozens of actions every day across the city. We're not going to try and list them all. No. Um, there isn't a good centralized resource to find them all at this point. Um, but just keep checking social media. Um, be safe out there. Be wary of where you go and make sure to always go with a friend, all of that jazz. But yes. uh, what else do we have going on in terms of like digital stuff?
0: Well, we definitely have the ground game Zoom meeting happening on Thursday. Uh, there's also we've we've also got some a knock meeting ca- happening tomorrow. If this podcast comes out in, in advance of that, if you're interested in writing it, an it article. Should. Nice. If you're interested in writing an article for knock, uh, hit us up. We'd love to get you uh, pulled into the whole situation there and, and talking about uh you know contributing to our 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 independent publication because as we've mentioned multiple times on the podcast today like the media is important and the fact that we don't have fair coverage of you know what the fuck is actually going on from a leftist perspective is infuriating and like we've we've been talking about this the whole fucking show the LA Times is sometimes our friend but is often also just fucking disgraceful in their complete inability to challenge the status quo when it comes to the the imposition of state fascism and and, and through these mm-hmm. through the the lapd and, the, and especially through the sheriffs like maya was writing such great coverage about the sheriff and i'm i'm deeply saddened to not be seeing that happening anymore because it really feels like the la times lost their teeth on that whole beat because now maya's not covering it it's it's Very sad. Um, But, yeah, please join us for uh, any of our... uh, We've got a a knock meeting happening on Sunday at 4. We've got our regular Thursday meeting happening for Ground Game at 7.30. Uh, There's other stuff going on all the time. If you want to get involved with us uh, for the live show, hit us up. Uh, Tim and I are both very... Sorry, Bushido and I are both very involved in all of this. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter. Our DMs are open. Uh, Yeah, all, all all of that. So...
1: And then uh, I'll be hosting again yes, uh, you will. this Wednesday. Uh, we got some cool guests we're planning on having. We're not going to blow that up just yet because we're waiting just to confirm yet. stuff. But yes. yeah, we've got some really cool guests. Uh, it's going to be a really, really good week for media criticism and talking about yes. what the fuck is going on in L.A. And we'll probably probably yell about the L.A. Times. Yep. Um, and we're, we're hoping that
0: Vic's going to be there to uh, co-host with you. And, uh, yep. you know, as long as the uh, reopening of the, the film production economy is cooperative, then Vic will be there. So, fingers crossed on that one. Um, but yeah, so as always, uh, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in, publicizing, or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. It's always at Ground Game LA. Uh, also, uh, you know, at Christopher Roth, at Bushido Squirrel. Those are our direct. Uh, Twitter handles, you can get a hold of us. We are entirely too online all the fucking time. Uh, This podcast and every ground game podcast is a production of knock.la. Support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. Of course, you can check the description of this podcast for sources, links to actions, uh, social media links, video clips, all of that jazz. You know the deal. Thank you very much for tuning in with us this week. Uh, Bushido, you want to take us out?
1: Yeah, no, I don't. I, I didn't look up a quote or anything. I just want to <laughs> remind you all to stay safe out there on the streets. Yes, please. Uh, do. Don't forget to always buddy up with a, a person. Always have somebody offsite to uh, talk to. Uh, yep. These actions are not slowing down. Uh, don't believe what you are seeing on the TV because it's bullshit. Get out there in the streets, make some noise. We got your back. Love y'all. Stay safe. Did you safe.
0: see how much fucking stuff was going down in the Park yesterday? Like, this shit is not dying down. Not dying down at all. Fuck yes. We are here for it. We love you all. Thank you for being a part of this. Yeah, that's it. Bye.
2: Bombed. 30, 10 more. Anonymous, sorry, better than the be net. 30, 10 more, 30, 30, 10 more, more, more.